From the New Media Project at the NYU School of Medicine, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's program, a trial of topical cyclosporin for ocular allergies. Most of the long-term pathology, uh, the long-term vision-threatening pathology in vernal conjunctivitis is due to steroid drops, you know, unrecognized or untreated elevation of intraocular pressure being the main one that we worry about in, in children where it's hard to, hard to assess their pressure and, and you know, see if they're getting steroid side effects such as glaucoma. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Daniel declares consulting for Allergan. Do you enjoy the programs you hear in this podcast? Why not contribute to the conversation by calling our listener response lines? Share your expertise about an issue we've discussed by calling. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. That's a local New York number. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275. That's a local London number. You can also ask questions of any guest who has appeared on the podcast. Then your question will be relayed to the guest, and your question and the guest's answer will appear on the following podcast. Go ahead. Try it out. It's cool. 38-year-old gentleman comes into your office with florid atopic keratoconjunctivitis, having tried several mast cell stabilizers with only modest benefit. He reports relief only from topical steroids. His pressure's 23. He's miserable, and now he's yours. One option that has shown some promise in studies is using topical cyclosporin as a steroid-sparing agent. Fortunately, a prospective randomized double-mask controlled trial of topical cyclosporin A for steroid-dependent allergic conjunctivitis has just been published. Its author is Mark Daniel, and I'm delighted to have him as my guest today. Mark, can I have you explain what the difference is between atopic keratoconjunctivitis and vernal keratoconjunctivitis? Right. Uh, vernal keratoconjunctivitis is a disease of uh, children where they have giant papillae under the, usually under the superior tarsal uh, conjunctiva and sometimes at the giant papillae at the limbus. It's a chronic and debilitating condition in children but it's normally self-limiting so by the age of 15 or so it usually remits. So it's important, you know, the, the symptoms can be controlled with steroid drops but it's important not to, um, you know, have any of the steroid side effects while you're treating these patients. That's why we're keen to, to try some non-steroid drops for vernal. Atopic keratoconjunctivitis is the most severe form of atopic uh, conjunctivitis. It's a sort of a chronic, unremitting allergic conjunctivitis with scarring of the conjunctiva and usually severe symptoms associated with severe um, atopic dermatitis. And it's characterized by, by scarring of the conjunctiva also you, bilateral herpetic keratitis, repeated microbial keratitis, and eventual corneal scarring and poor vision. So again, often it doesn't respond well to antihistamines and requires steroids for control of symptoms. But when you've got coexisting herpetic keratitis and microbial keratitis, that can be a problem. So again, it's useful to have a steroid-sparing agent if possible. With both of these pathologies, therapy is instituted in a stepwise fashion. 
Can I have you describe what the conventional therapy stepladder is? Vernal conjunctivitis, you'd start off with topical chromon, so mast-cell stabilizing drops such as Lomide or Opticrom. Used four times a day, they can usually desensitize the conjunctiva so it's not so prone to itch. Sometimes antihistamines are useful, such as uh, Patnol or Zatatan. But really the mainstay of treatment for severe exacerbations, once the um, disease is broken through, the preventative drops of the cervicromoglycate drops is steroids. And usually you'd use a, the weakest possible steroid, such as thermethylone 0.1% and use that in an intensive enough fashion to control the symptoms as quickly as possible, then rapidly tapering the steroids and going back to your maintenance therapy of topical uh, chromons. Atopic keratoconjunctivitis, again, you can try topical antihistamines, but they're very rarely successful because it's such a severe condition, and really topical steroids is the mainstay of treatment. Usually you require a preservative-free steroid used fairly frequently. Although these pathologies themselves can cause long-term complications, things like corneal scarring, to what extent do you think that complications associated with allergic conjunctivitis are secondary to the pathology, and how much do you think that complications are secondary to the effects of steroids? Well, in uh, vernal keratoconjunctivitis, there's a rare corneal complication as a result of the disease, the shield ulcers, which do tend to respond to steroid treatment and occasionally require surgical intervention. But most of the long-term pathology, long-term vision-threatening pathology in vernal conjunctivitis is due to steroid drops, you know, unrecognized or untreated elevation of intraocular pressure being the main one that we worry about in children where it's hard to assess their pressure and you know, see if they're getting steroid side effects such as glaucoma. And atopic keratoconjunctivitis, you know, microbial keratitis is more of a problem and so you know, severe herpetic keratitis and secondary microbial keratitis does occur as well as the steroid side effects and so on. Mark, what is cyclosporin and how does cyclosporin work? Cyclosporin is a immunosuppressive drug. Obviously, it's been used for systemic uh, immunosuppression in you know, many indications, particularly transplantation and, and, control, and a steroid-sparing agent in uh, immunosuppressive therapy. From an immunological standpoint, what does cyclosporin do? It's a, it's a non-steroidal immunomodulator that inhibits antigen-dependent T-cell activation. It can also directly inhibit eosinophils and mast cell activation, and so inhibit release of inflammatory mediators, which are probably important in allergic-type inflammation. We, of course, know that topical cyclosporin is being used to treat dry eye. What other ophthalmic applications has topical cyclosporin found? Cyclosporin has been, uh, is an eye drop has been traditionally manufactured by local pharmacies, and they've used a 2% solution, usually in some vehicles such as maize oil. And that's been shown in small studies to be useful for allergic conjunctivitis, for uh, steroid-dependent atopic keratoconjunctivitis. It's also been used in graft rejection. And there are occasional reports where it's used for other less common conditions, such as Tigerson's keratitis. And the role that it plays clinically is typically as a steroid-sparing agent. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's well recognized that steroids have, can have severe side effects in some patients. You know, if you've got a steroid-sensitive 
you know, intraocular pressure rise, you know, in the steroid responders, that can be very difficult to treat and cause, you know, permanent ongoing damage to the optic nerve and blindness. How did you envision cyclosporin to address ocular allergy? Well, in acute allergy, there's an IgE-mediated type 1, you know, it's an IgE-mediated type 1 hypersensitivity reaction. So I wouldn't imagine it would have a direct effect on that as such. But in more chronic disease, you get a mixed cell response. You get a Th2 cell-mediated chronic inflammation, which should, you know, with the increase in CD4 positive cells, that should be susceptible to cyclosporin. Cyclosporin is a specific anti-CD4 plus cell agent. Can I have you describe the design of the study? Okay, so with the, um, the advent of Restasis, which is a new formulation of topical cyclosporin, we had a number of patients who we felt, you know, felt had benefited from, from our homemade cyclosporin. So we were encouraged to, to set up a, a proper randomized controlled uh, trial looking at topical cyclosporin in steroid-dependent allergic conjunctivitis. So what we did is we took patients from the clinic who were on steroids for allergy and then compared signs, symptoms, and the ability to reduce or stop concurrent steroid in steroid-dependent AKC or VKC by using this 0.05% topical cyclosporin, comparing it to a, a placebo, which was the vehicle that they use in restasis. The topical cyclosporin was used four times a day, and the patients were seen monthly. They were seen, sorry, they were seen initially returned for evaluation at one week, then one month, two months, and three months of treatment. And how many patients were in each group? Right, so we randomized 40 patients. 20 were for underwent cyclosporin treatment and 20 were in placebo. Had any of these patients been using topical cyclosporin before enrollment in the study? There had been a few, but there was a, a washout period, I think, of six months prior to them being included. The other exclusion criterion were uh, history of periocular injection of steroid within six months, ocular surgery within six months, use of steroid eye drops for other, other than allergic for d- diseases, and also if they were on cy- systemic cyclosporin. Sorry, I've made a mistake there. If, the, if they're on topical cyclosporin, the medication was discontinued for two weeks before the start of the trial. Prior to beginning treatment, did the treatment group and control group differ? We looked at um, a whole number of um, variables. The only difference that we found was a a difference in initial steroid score um, between the two groups. But all the other modalities we mentioned, which were um, initial symptoms, all the various subdivisions of symptoms, um, initial signs, um, were and, uh, were and there was no age or sex difference between the two groups. What do you mean by steroid score is that the control group tended to use steroid more prior to the beginning of the study? What we did, with it, we made up a uh, steroid drop usage score where um, drops are graded by how frequently they're used and also the um, strength of the drops. So you know, the prednifrin forte would obviously have a higher score than the FML, the fluoromethylone, 0.1%. Anyway, we combined the, you know, the quantity of drops with the strength of drops to come up with a steroid drop usage score and that was higher in the placebo group than in the cyclosporin treatment group at the initiation of treatment. What were your main outcome measures? Okay, well, briefly they were um, symptoms, signs and this steroid drop usage score. 
we, we looked at all the symptoms individually and we looked at all the signs individually and then developed a sort of a symptom score and a sign score where we pulled all the symptoms and all the signs and really didn't find any statistical difference no matter which way we twisted the, the figures. Were your outcome measures similar to those of other studies that have looked at the use of topical cyclosporin for ocular allergies? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we based our uh, initial um, study plan on the previous studies that have been done. So there was a study done at Moorfields using the 2% tycosporin, that's Hingarani et al. And there was another study um, looking at AKC, which again had used that idea of symptom scores and sign scores and steroid drop scores. So it was very similar. Yeah. How many patients withdrew from the study? And I ask this because patients could opt to leave this study as per the design of the study because of lack of efficacy of the medication. All right. Well, look, um, there's a figure in the paper which, which goes through that. And basically, in the cyclosporin treatment group, three patients withdrew. One was just lost to follow-up and two were for personal reasons. In the um, placebo-treated group, two patients withdrew. One was not for meeting the inclusion criteria and the other one was for personal reasons. So most of the patients, even if they weren't having noticeable effect, continued in the trial. What were your results for the subjective outcome measures? Basically, um, the initial symptom score was 5.9 for the placebo group and 6.1 for the treatment group. The final score was 2.1 for the placebo group and 2.8 for the treatment group. And there was no significant difference in either initial symptom score or final symptom score. There was some reduction with time in itching, which was just statistically significant, and redness for the cyclosporin treatment group. The placebo group experienced some significant reduction over time in, in redness and white discharge, but all other symptoms did not attain statistical significance of change over time. What about the objective outcome measures, things like the steroid use the score? Signs. Yeah, and signs. Yeah. So there was no significant difference between the placebo and the treatment group in the initial clinical science score or the final clinical science score. When we looked at the specific signs, patients in the treatment group showed a significantly greater improvement over time in lid margin thickening with a p-value of 0.02. Inferior and superior conjunctival hyperemia showed some significant imp greater improvement in the cyclosporin-treated group. There was a marginal effect on the inferior conjunctival papillae and corneal tear film deficiency. But really, once the signs were pulled, there was no statistical difference between the two groups. The placebo group showed some significant reduction over time in bulbar conjunctival hyperemia, but the other signs didn't attain statistical significance over time in either of the groups. Now, we mentioned that there had been previous studies looking at the use of topical cyclosporin for the treatment of ocular allergy. What, what were those previous studies and, and what were their findings? Okay, so there was a study by uh, ACPEC and DART, uh, or DART et al. They looked, did a randomized control trial of topical cyclosporin, of this restasis um, formulation in topical steroid-resistant atopic keratoconjunctivitis. So that was using the same drug and in a very uh, similar group. They had 22 patients and they showed some beneficial effect on pooled symptoms and sign scores over the treatment period without adverse effects. 
the difference between their trial and our trial was that they compared uh, cyclosporin with a placebo, which was artificial tears, rather than the, uh, we used the restasis vehicle, and it was limited by a small sample size with only 22 patients. They didn't try and reduce the steroid use either. They maintained steroid use at, at pre-enrollment levels. And for the Moorfield study, which looked at the higher-dose cyclosporin and corn oil? Yeah, that was Hingarani et al. They had a, that, again, there was a smaller prospective randomized control trial with similar patients using the 2% solution in, in maize oil that had been manufactured at Moorfields. They had 21 patients with steroid-dependent AKC, and the cyclosporin was shown to have a greater steroid sparing effect than that of vehicle, albeit um, at the cost of poor patient tolerance of the adjunctive therapy. In other words, the, the maize oil vehicle stings like mad, and a lot of patients had to drop out because of that. You know, they couldn't tolerate the drops. Now, one of the really striking findings from your study was how well the control group did. One of the main things that differentiates your study from the previous study that looked at the same formulation of topical cyclosporin was your use of vehicle for the, the control group uh, in in addition to the fact that that you you also looked at at things like steroid use, well, that's right. I think we were measuring two variables at once. You know, the steroid reduction plus the um, plus the uh, improvement in symptoms and signs, which hadn't been done in those previous studies. So one kept the steroids constant, and one you know tried to measure steroid reduction. Right. Uh, the the chief difference in the control groups, though, between your study and uh, the, the, this, this previous study uh, was your use of vehicle for the, the control groups. Do you think that the, the benefit that you saw in the control group was because you used vehicle? Well, look, I think that's possible. Certainly the, um, the restasis trials in dry eye showed a substantial benefit from vehicle. And, you know, there was, you know, certainly the vehicle seems to be soothing to the eyes and may improve symptoms and, I suppose, signs just by its lubricating effect. Certainly in allergic conjunctivitis, you know, placebo drops have, have always had a substantial effect in any of the trials done of topical antihistamines. Yeah, I think uh, adding a, you know, a really soothing lubricant can, can be beneficial and maybe maybe that's better than, than the um, artificial tears they used in the in the restasis study from John Dart's group. Now, do you think that one reason for the lack of efficacy seen in, in your study for cyclosporin was because of the cyclosporin dose? Uh, for, for example, compared to the Moorfield study that looked at cyclosporin in, in corn oil, um, they, they used a, a, a much higher concentration than, than you did. Well, look, I, you know, I think that Allergan has chosen that dose because of the improvement in the vehicle. And I think that the novel emulsion that they've developed means that penetration, certainly in the conjunctiva, should be um, much higher than in the previous formulations using you know, the maize oil as a vehicle. So I would assume, I mean, you know, I haven't seen the data, but I'd assume that the penetration is so much higher that you're getting equivalent levels in tissues with the 0.05% and the 2%. You know, that being said, I can't uh, really prove that. And I think that you know, it may well be that a, a 2% solution does have higher tissue levels despite the different vehicle and, and may be more effective. So I think that's, that remains unanswered in my mind anyway. 
So, Mark, here's the the big question. As someone comes to your office, has just had a miserable allergy season, is comfortable only when on a pulse of steroid, comes to see you with a pressure of 23, <laughs> what do you do? Do you, do you offer topical cyclosporin? You know, we were encouraged to start this study because the patients seem to like it and we seem to notice improvement. But, you know, we've we've gone to the bother of applying some rigor and some evidence to it and we can't show any benefit. So uh, I've decided not to, I must admit. You know, there, there are some patients who insist that cyclosporin does help them and you keep them on that treatment. But, you know, I don't use it as an option anymore. So, you know, you can, you know that, that's, that's one way you can take the data. The other way is you can say, well, we haven't done a big enough trial or a high enough dose and we'll do it all again. I think that when we looked at the statistics and found so little difference and looked at the, you know, um, power of the study and, you know, to find a smaller difference, we'd have to do, you know, two or three times as many patients. And even then, you know, wouldn't have, even if we extrapolated the data from our study, wouldn't have found a difference. I don't think that there is a real difference with topical cyclosporin or topical, you know, 0.05% cyclosporin in, in these patients. Mark, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yeah, look, the, the only thing I just, as we were going through the results and things, we didn't mention the steroid uh, score and how that it was reduced. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I could read that part out all, you know. So, so despite there being a, a difference in the steroid drop usage score at baseline, there was no, and, and there was a significant drop in steroid score at, uh, throughout the study. There was no significant difference in final steroid drop usage score between the two groups. And the reduction in steroid drop usage score in the placebo group was not significantly different from that in the treatment group. So really we couldn't find any difference in the reduction in steroid drop usage score throughout the study in either group. Mark Daniel, thank you very much. Well, nice to talk to you. Bye. Mark Daniel is Senior Lecturer at the Centre for Eye Research Australia at the University of Melbourne in Melbourne, Australia. His paper, Randomized Controlled Trial of Topical Cyclosporin A in Steroid-Dependent Allergic Conjunctivitis, appears in the April 2006 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Daniel or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines. In the United States, dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom, dial 020-7558-8275, or Skype J Young MD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young. <laughs>